Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast, the podcast focused on helping civil engineering professionals succeed by exposing them to interesting civil engineering projects and successful civil engineering professionals around the world. Hosts Anthony Fasano and Christian Knudsen had successful but unconventional civil engineering careers and now focus on helping civil engineering professionals achieve their goals in work and life. Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed in their careers. And in today's episode, I'm actually going to be interviewing my co-host, Chris Knudsen, which is not a typical podcast episode, but Chris has been doing some really interesting work really all over the world, civil engineering work. So why not get him on the show and let him dive into that a bit? And the topic that we're going to talk about is protecting the environment through security, which is obviously something that's extremely important today and is probably at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. So we're just super excited here to dive into it. So before we do dive into the main segment here in the interview, I would like to recognize our sponsor for the show, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the civil FE or PE exam, I recommend that you check out PPI. They're the leader in civil engineering exam prep. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. All right, now let's jump into the main segment. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, so now it's time for this week's civil engineering conversation. And this week I am interviewing the one and only Chris Knutson, my co-host here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Chris is a practicing civil engineer and program manager and an author and podcast host. He's the co-founder of the Engineering Career Coach that we've built together. It's a company that provides engineers and engineering companies with soft skills, leadership, and strategy development, training, and facilitation, really enabling them to execute their goals, and their vision. Chris is a retired field-grade U.S. Air Force civil engineer officer with over two decades of active duty service leading engineering organizations and multi-million dollar programs around the globe. And most recently, he's branched into environmental security and protection work with the government in several nations in Europe. And that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Chris, I don't want to say welcome aboard because you're regularly aboard. But. Yeah, I know. It's a little interesting, to, I guess, to be back on the other side of the mic for a change. <laughs> That's right. So I know you've been pretty much traveling the world lately, and we've got some interesting things we're going to dive into here. Let's let's start very simply, and why don't you explain what envir- or why environmental security is so important today? So it's interesting, Anthony, because quite frankly, my my interaction with the uh, you know with environmental issues through the vast majority of my career was it was just uh, just an additional item on the checklist that needed to be taken care of with regards to environmental impact statements or environmental impact assessments. And for those that are involved in major capital projects with the uh, NEPA process, essentially for development of large large projects and impact on the environment through the EPA. And so it was really only really coming into this current program that I've had the opportunity to, to work and to run uh, that have really gotten this opportunity to really dive into environmental environmental issues, environmental protection, uh, climate change, 
and resiliency around water security and some of the other aspects that uh, that I really haven't I've known about, but really haven't spent a lot of time in. So I think probably what I would say maybe the, the most important reason why environmental security is something that's important not just uh, to governments but to each of us as an individual is because it plays such a key role in uh, building and sustaining uh, socioeconomic, political, and cultural foundations of nations, and, and quite frankly, of entire regions. And, and depending on what the environmental aspect is, it could even be a global issue. Those of you that are listening on the, on the episode here, we all know that, that like climate change is a global issue. And we know that in certain areas of the world, water security is, a, is an issue and, and it really becomes a, a global issue. And I mean, by water security, I mean the ability to, to have access to clean water and to be able to have access to what can be easily become potable water. And, uh, you know, when a nation's or a region's socioeconomic, political, or cultural interests uh, become threatened or infringed upon, there can quickly become second and third order effects that that potentially become, you know, first maybe economic sanctions, but could potentially even lead into into force-on-force military-type conflicts. And, you know, I think a lot of people may think that maybe, well, it's maybe a stretch, but it really isn't. And I'll provide some links for people after the fact. If they want to come into the show notes, they can look at that where, you know, they really track the number of different uh, security issues that are going on and really conflicts, either either literally armed conflicts or disputes between nations that have to do with regards to environmental issues. And it's a really interesting uh, aspect of looking at the environment that, uh, like I said, quite frankly, until I got involved in this program a number of months ago was something that I really hadn't thought a lot about. So uh, Hmm. to a certain extent is is why I think it's it's an important issue. And it's more than just hugging bunnies and and trees uh, and, and that, you know, biodiversity and Wildlife and land management is extremely important, and I have a much greater appreciation for that as well as a civil engineer. But these greater issues, these larger global and regional issues, are really something that that each of us as civil engineers need to be aware of, and we need to understand the the different things that perhaps we do as civil engineers. We're doing designs and how we're affecting or maybe contributing or, or even degrading the environment in which we're working. Yeah, it's a good point. And let me just back up. I know we jumped into this quickly, but Chris shared a a really good definition of environmental security. And let me give it to you again here. Environmental security examines threats posed by environmental events and trends to individuals, communities, or nations. It may focus on the impact of human conflict and international relations on the environment or on how environmental problems cross state borders. And some specific or I guess actually general examples that Chris mentioned were water security, coastal resiliency, energy security, water course access and control. Then there's oil spill mitigation, response and recovery, and of course, like general awareness. And I think that what's so interesting about this as a civil engineer is at certain points of your career, you get very focused on certain projects. So for me, I was working on land development. So I was doing residential subdivisions, commercial properties. You know, I was in a lot of excavated holes doing inspections for septic systems. And sometimes we tend to forget that there are some big time global environmental issues, challenges that if we're going to solve them at all, civil engineers are going to be instrumental in solving them. And I think the reason that Chris and I wanted to have this conversation on the podcast is to let you know that like there are so many opportunities for civil engineers 
on some amazing things. And, and I know Chris is going to talk a little bit on some of the things that he's working on specifically, but Chris, maybe you could even just mention like some of the areas of the world you've been going to on some of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've had an opportunity, I mean, literally since the beginning of April, and I know we're time dating this uh, episode, but I'll just say maybe over the last eight weeks, I've been in six different countries and have had interactions with uh, representatives, environmental protection representatives from about 20 different countries in these in these travels. On these same issues, I, I like to, to use, uh, use a, actually, it's a, it's a, a phrase that was, uh, that I picked up from one of my colleagues. Uh, a lot of these Regional and global environmental issues are, are wicked problems, meaning that there's, there really isn't an easy answer to. And in fact, there may not even be an answer to them. Maybe more of an effort of, of mitigating the risk from environmental issues that we're not able to even control because of the fact that it's nature. And uh, I think as civil engineers, we, we completely understand. I mean, it doesn't take a civil engineer to have to be literally a rocket science scientists to figure out, you know, if you look at things like what happened, events that happened, let's say, like Katrina and the uh, devastating effects that that uh, Category 5 hurricane had on New Orleans, despite the best efforts by a lot of civil engineers to do whatever they could to defend that city, up to some experiences that I've got having lived in the St. Louis region with regards to the New Madrid fault line, and you know, what are the true limiting factors that we as civil engineers have when we do structural design you know, for seismic events? I mean, at the end of the day, the natural environment has an ability to do some, some pretty serious damage despite how good we are as civil engineers, which I think is kind of a sobering thought, Anthony. I mean, it's, you know, if, you, if you really think about it, we, we go to school, we spend a lot of energy and time in developing our skills as civil engineers and to a certain extent, we're doing all this to defend ourselves and, and to develop the kind of security that we need against nature. And, uh, you know, as we know, sometimes it's really, really difficult to be able to, you know, to, to truly mitigate all the risks and to, and to, quite frankly, defend against it. So mm. it's, a, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting concept. So, yeah, traveling around quite a bit over the last few weeks, a lot of interaction with a lot of really, really engaged uh, you know, thought-focused uh, professionals in the engineering and the environmental arenas on these topics, like you just mentioned, like water security and coastal resilience, really resiliency, energy security, and, and so on and so forth. So it's been a very, uh, very eye-opening experience, if you will. Yeah, and I think that as civil engineers, we have a tremendous amount of impact on really the way the world gets built in response to these you could call them natural disasters or other risks. Like, for example, up in the Northeast, we had Hurricane Sandy a few years ago. And I know my in-laws had a beach house out off the Rockaways, out off of Queens that got filled up with water. And the whole community got devastated. I think 50 houses went on fire. And now it's kind of like the whole community was waiting for the, the engineers and the architects and the other officials to come up with a whole new code. Like, is everyone's house going to be now elevated eight feet off the ground? I mean, they're basically shaping the way that these communities are being built and how much risk they're exposed to going forward. So obviously, it's very important work. It's also very challenging and exciting work in a way because you have the ability to shape the way communities are built. You have the ability to help minimize risk for human life. I mean, that's the whole point of like civil engineer. That's why it's called the civil engineer. 
Again, I think that that's something that we don't necessarily have an eye on in our day-to-day activities. So Chris, maybe one of the things that might be interesting is that if maybe you can give some thoughts or ideas on if someone was to get involved in environmental security, what type of work would they be doing? Like, what does that look like? If there's any, I'm sure you could give us some ideas just in general. Yeah, sure. If you get into environmental security, it, it can be along the lines of, of risk management, especially if we're looking, we're talking about the United States, a couple different areas that I think are of, of, uh, of interest are our coastal areas and anything associated with the, uh, you know, with, with oil production, all most of us, or most of the people who are listening to the podcast are going to be familiar and have known, maybe haven't read much about, but are well aware of uh, BP oil spill and the issues that, that, that came from that down in the Gulf region. And so the coastal areas from an environmental standpoint are extremely important. It's also important to understand that you know, the va- a good large percentage, actually a majority of populace in not only the United States, but even the rest of the world, live within 50 kilometers of the coastline. So when we start talking, just like Anthony, you mentioned about your relatives who had property that was affected by, by Hurricane Sandy, you know, when you, when you do land and urban development right next to, to the ocean, it comes with a certain level of risk. So I think as civil engineers, that could certainly be work that you get involved in, is not only the planning for sustainable communities within a what you could be called or termed a literal littoral region, so within you know within an area close to the coastline, what's the structural perspectives or, or things that you need to do to be able to limit the amount of damage, um, to be able to increase the resiliency of that structure to a major category a category storm? So that's for coastal type uh, regions. I'm actually going to be interviewing. He was a previous podcast guest on our other podcast, The Engineering Career Coach. I'll be interviewing Steve Armstrong again here very shortly. And our discussion is going to be about the wildfires that took place up in Fort McMurray, so in central Canada, and the uh, crisis management and crisis leadership associated with that. So from a civil engineer's perspective, what comes of this again? Well, you know, let's look at the, the larger implications of climate change. And we can all have our own opinions about whether or not we think it's man-made or it's just a natural event. But the bottom line is, is that the climate's changed, period. And that's from empirical evidence, you know, just from my own personal experience. And I think from those of us that have, you know, maybe been around since the 70s, you know, we can remember back to our childhoods and the amount of snowfall and temperatures and things like that. Things have changed dramatically. As engineers and civil engineers, with our responsibilities for, for protecting the public and the things that we do, the designs that we make, which comes down also to site planning that we do, you know, issues like the Fort McMurray, the devastation that took place with that community, you've got large suburban type areas built with no fire breaks between the forests and the houses, because quite frankly, you know, people want to have forest right up to their house on their yard. That's all great when everything is nice, but when there's a raging wildfire, you literally lose any ability whatsoever to be able to stop that from progression. So as civil engineers, you know, there's these responsibilities that are going to become the change where we don't necessarily have to be the bad guy, but we certainly have to be the ones that are raising our hands saying, hey, because of these different changes or these different potential risks, we really need to pay attention to and consider 
what we need to do to be able to mitigate these and perhaps change the way that we look at doing our designs so that it's meeting their intent of the end clients or agencies that are trying to implement work, but at the same time being able to limit the amount of risk, to limit the amount of potential damage that could be done if something bad happens. Chris, how would someone listening to this podcast learn more about environmental security and get into the field? What can they do to get into it or how to get a job in the space? What does it look like? So I've got, Anthony, a number of links that I'll provide for listeners to be able to go take a look at. Some of them are going to include sites at the UN Environmental Proaction site and Environmental Protection, so UNEP. I'm over in Europe right now, so a lot of the work that I'm doing is over on this side of the pond. So the EU Institute for Environmental Security is out there. There's also, and she also happens to be a member of the uh, engineering mastermind community, Denise Nelson, who's a, a senior member of the Institute for Sustainable Infrastructure. You can go there and take a look at some of the, a lot of the material that they've got there. I, I hold the Envision Sustainable Professional Certification, which looks at what I would classify as being elements that are very closely related to environmental security, but it takes on the greater sustainability perspective. And actually, there's also one of our previous civil engineering podcasts, episode 28, is with Denise Nelson. So she really goes into the details on the uh, on that certification. So if you're going to move into this realm, you're going to be working on issues like climate change. You're going to be working on issues related to water security and water access. And I think for a lot of people, you know, maybe if you listen to, especially like engineers about borders, they do a lot of work down in Africa for clean water wells. They do a lot of work in India and Bangladesh and some of those other areas. So water security is a really interesting topic. I'm starting to get a little bit more involved in that, doing a lot more reading on that, because there's a lot of issues associated with access to clean water and just access to water, period. And uh, there's some case studies. In fact, what I'll do for all of our listeners, I'll provide a short little uh, white paper, if you will, that'll be linked up in the notes that talks about the uh, Euphrates River Valley and some issues associated with that and, and really kind of an what I would call maybe even a case study in water security issues and why this can be such an important issue. But if you're going to move into the into this realm, you're going to be working on those issues. Another one that I just I didn't even mention really haven't talked a whole lot about is uh, oil spills. You know, the BP event that took place in the Gulf is one that I even remember as I was a younger person was the uh, XN Valdez episode up in Alaska and the, uh, the oil spill that, that, uh, that resulted from that oil tanker run on the ground. So those are major environmental protection issues that quickly become environmental security issues because of impacts not only on the uh, biodiversity aspects of the wildlife, but the long-term impacts to uh, human health and to community health. So those are the areas that if you were going to move into an environmental security type of a focus, what you'd be working on. Yeah, and I think also just being aware of this is important as a civil engineer, even if you don't work per se internationally or maybe in a specific a coastal zone. I think when you have clients, Chris and I always talk about, you have amount of value that you offer to those clients. And the more knowledgeable you are, you're able to talk about the environmental security. You know, let's think about the water course, access and control near our site. I think these are things that you start to build your value as an engineer. You start to build your knowledge as an engineer. 
and people start to think of you as, you know, Anthony's got a pretty good knowledge of as a civil engineer, I'm comfortable with utilizing him. So I think that this is an issue that's worth learning about, even if you're not necessarily going to be working on it. And, and some of the items that Chris provided with us here can definitely help you do that. And Chris, one other thing that I just want to bring up, which I think might be of interest to the listeners, obviously you had a military career and now you're working as a civilian, but I would imagine also that there's also a lot of private sector work obviously related to this. And especially some of these larger global companies would have a lot of opportunities for civil engineers looking to get involved in this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's again, issues when we start talking about environmental security, it's not only work related to coastal resiliency, and I keep coming back to the you know, discussions around maybe down the New Orleans area, but it even extends all the way up the eastern coast. So any of the engineering companies that are involved with work along the coastline for either coastline defense from erosion or protection of infrastructure, if you're involved in critical infrastructure design, in our society today, critical infrastructure is everything from communications nodes to power plants to server rooms and the means of communications. There's a lot of critical infrastructure that's out there. So that also falls into this realm of environmental security as well, up to and including, you know, protection of species in, in certain areas. So, I mean, true, perhaps what some people may even classify as, a, you know, environmentalist type stuff. So it's really biodiversity, protection of wildlife and species and protection of fauna and in both flora from the effects that we have and the sustainability around that. So, you know, besides the stuff that I do professionally, I'm, I'm very involved with, uh, with Boy Scouts of America. And I keep coming back to the concept of leave no trace when it comes to doing like backcountry camping and hiking and, and activities like that. So, you know, as civil engineers, we truly have an opportunity to be able to influence on a large level. But Anthony, if I will, just to maybe take a second here and just talk about, you know, how this might be applicable to a, to a young engineer working in, you know, in a small engineering company somewhere, listening to this kind of that, that's great at a very great, you know, maybe a large level, national level, international level, whatever it may be, how does this affect me on my day-to-day projects? I hit the rewind button. I go all the way back to when I first started in my professional career as a civil engineer and I was doing site design for large retail sites. And the biggest issues had to do with regards to water, you know, water runoff retention, the uh, limiting silt runoff from the construction areas, and a lot of the design that actually went into temporary measures to be able to control water runoff from the actual construction site. And so those are environmental security issues or environmental protection issues because you're really taking efforts and having to have true design and civil engineering activity involved with ensuring that you're not creating greater environmental impacts, perhaps to streams that are nearby or to wellheads or to perhaps uh, protected areas. So there's things that we can do that may not even seem like they're that big of a deal, but they are when it comes to the environment. And I'll, I'll tell you again, just based you know, off of a couple of decades of, uh, of experience and not having really been involved with environmental that much before, Getting into it now has been become a very interesting perspective for me in that a lot of these aspects that we get trained on early in our career truly do have an impact later on. And as civil engineers, we can control and we can influence how that affects the outcomes of designs and the health of the communities that we live in. 
Yeah, that's great. And also, if you want to get involved in this arena, think about the way you network. We had an episode a few episodes ago about LinkedIn, how to use LinkedIn to build your profile. We had the last episode featured some interviews from my visit to the Society of American Military Engineers Jetsy Conference. Again, there was a lot of talk there about this stuff, environmental security, overseas work. So, you know, think about getting involved in organizations where you can get access to people in this field, just like Chris is a longtime SAMI member. So this is how you can set yourself up and start to build your network, which is what we always talk about, to put yourself in a position to get opportunities to work in a field like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll just I'll piggyback on that, Anthony. An organization that's, that's closely affiliated with the Society of American Military Engineers is the Infrastructure Security Partnership. It's a separate organization, but very closely affiliated with SAME. And although it's focused on infrastructure security, there's a lot of the lead over between environmental security and infrastructure security. So that's another area that gets involved in the environment slash what I would call the natural environment built environment interface where, where the two come together. And that is really the realm of the, of the civil engineer. That's entirely 100% the way that I look at this is that as a civil engineers, we operate in that in either one of those two realms, the, the natural environment or the built environment, and we also operate in the interface between the two of them. Even if that's something that you're not interested in going into full-time, I really think it's worthwhile and it will truly make you a rounded professional civil engineer if you have an understanding around the basics of environmental protection and how what you do can have a profound positive or negative effect on the environment that we all live in. Hmm. Awesome. All right, Chris, last uh, question here as we wrap it up. We usually, of course, ask our guests, if you happen to run into a civil engineer, got in the elevator with him, you had about 30, 40 seconds to give him or her some career advice, what would you tell them? Like I said, it's, it's, it's uh, interesting to be on the other side of the mic. It's been a while since I've done this. So I, I've written on this in some of the blog posts in the past uh, a couple different times, and it's come... It's come full circle for me again. I've relearned what I already knew, got a chance to relive that. And that is, is always, always keep learning something new. I mean, so this area of activity, which I've already said, is it's new to me. I mean, it's something that I've understood because I've, uh, throughout my work over the last 20 plus years, I've had some, I'll say some to quite a bit of involvement in environmental issues, but never really had the environmental, some kind of an environmental portfolio that I was actually working. So I had to become really a quick learner and quickly become the, the expert, if you will, on this for the client that I'm working with right now. And again, although I was kind of understanding or aware of the rules and responsibilities of this position that I was going to move into and some of the project and program work that I was going to do, specifically because I was in close proximity to this from work that I'd done in the past, I had to, again, quickly learn something new. And... Uh, Again, this is something that, uh, you know, for those that are listening, I'll date myself. At the time of the recording, I'm 46 years old, and I'm, I'm learning something new. So for engineers who are listening to this that are beyond what are classified as young engineers, what I would tell you is that I got it. You're not maybe not, not a young engineer anymore, but that doesn't mean that you have a license to stop learning and stop doing something new. So be open to stepping into, into new areas and to learning something new and it becoming a quick study and voraciously understanding what that information is so that you can apply it. 
The second thing, Anthony, that I would say is that wherever you are, at whatever point you are in your, in your career progression, pay attention to the people that are working around you, your colleagues, your friends. Pay attention to the programs that they're working on and they're working with, not only in, in the company or the firm or the organization that you work in, perhaps even friends or colleagues that are in other companies or other organizations that you work with. And the reason that I say that is that the work that I'm doing right now, the specific work that I'm doing right now, I was aware of it because in a previous position that I held, I worked with, uh, I had a very close friend of mine who, who actually did this work. And so although I wasn't doing it, I was actually aware of what they did so that when this opportunity presented itself, I didn't have to think twice about stepping into taking it on because I already had a very good understanding of what was involved with it. And although I didn't know the details, I knew the at least the rough outline of what was expected and what was needed and was able to quickly take the experience that I had and apply it to that. So always keep learning and keep your head up on a swivel, paying attention to what's going on around you, because you really have no idea what your, you know, what your friends or your colleagues are working on today may one day be an area of interest or your next job. So just be aware of what's going on around you and always keep learning. Awesome. Yeah, those are great pieces of advice. And I remember at our engineering career summit that we had in New Orleans, Christy Miramville was on the panel. She's been on the podcast before and she said something similar to your last point. She said, sometimes you can look up at your leaders, but you should also be looking around and looking down and just keeping an eye on and keeping ears open and learning from everybody around you. And I think that's great advice. So with that, as we wrap up this episode, we'd like to thank our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. Engineers often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE or PE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. I personally use PPI's materials to pass my exams, and I recently had the chance to demo their civil FE and PE review courses, as did Chris, and that's why we feel confident recommending PPI for those of you planning to take the next step in your career. PPI is offering a special 20% discount to listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code CIVIL at ppi2pass.com. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com, and use the promo code CIVIL for a 20% discount. You can find the show notes for the episode here at civilengineeringpodcast.com. This will be episode number 34, or you can just type environmental security in the sidebar and you'll come up on the show notes. We're going to include all the resources that Chris mentioned in the episode, all the links that he mentioned. And of course, Chris will be open to taking any questions, thoughts, comments you have in the comments section of the post and he'll respond to you. And I think at this time we should congratulate Chris on making it through here as a guest. <laughs> Congrats, Chris. Yeah, thanks. It's uh wow. I'm looking forward to being back on the other side of the mic. <laughs> yeah. So again, environmental security is important. Hopefully we gave you some insights here, some ideas around it, and some things that you can do to get into it. So until next time, we wish you smooth execution in all of your civil engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. 
Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.